Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today we're pleased to have Pastor Collins A. Days of Second Baptist Church in our studio today. Pastor Days, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Brother Gunter, and glad to be a part of the program. You know, I think it's important to note that uh, I'm doing a series on Atlantic City, and this series on Atlantic City was prompted by one of your sermons. I was in your congregation on August 21st uh, where you were speaking uh, to the congregation, and you made a plea to the congregation about not turning a blind eye to crime and that we must be more vigilant and respectful of our neighborhoods. And I went home, or went to my sister's house for dinner that afternoon, and I asked her about that. She says, yeah, folks got this, this thing where they're, they're, they'll see something, but they won't say anything. And we're, doing, uh, we're seeing a lot of black-on-black crime. And I just wanted to thank you for that inspiration, which has really prompted me to do this series of 8 to 10 interviews of, of folks from Atlantic City to talk about how can we turn Atlantic City around. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good, it was good seeing you, too. All right. And if you could, for our audience, could you um, give us a little bit of background of the highlights of your education and your experience and, and how you actually uh, came to Atlantic City? Oh, yeah. I'm from South Carolina, uh, and uh, uh, I attended uh, South Carolina State University as well as Mars uh, in South Carolina. And uh, I was called to this church about 18 years ago from a very rural community called the Roundo Community, uh, that uh, was that church, the church that I passed was originated and started by slaves, and uh, so it was a nothing that in my educational background or my experience uh, prepared me for the urban environment of Atlantic City. Uh, it was uh, uh, I was very taken back by the whole situation. Actually, when I moved to, to uh, when I first came here, uh, the first thing that struck me was uh, the church was located in a very dilapidated area. Uh, full of abandoned, uh, what we call abandonments, where the homeless lived and a uh, tremendous amount of drug addiction and alcoholism, and, and it was just evident right outside the door of the church. And so that started my, uh, started me to, uh, you know, what can we do to, to empower the community? And through that, we developed uh, a community development corporation to kind of address some of the housing issues and needs of Atlantic City. And um, tell us a little bit about your family. You're, you're, you're married, and you have children and grandchildren, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm married for 28 years. I have uh, four children and two uh, grandchildren, and uh, all of whom live right here in Atlantic City. And so that's one of the reasons that I've always been involved in the community here, because I have a family here. I reside myself in Atlantic City, and, and I wanted to make sure that my children had a great place to grow up. And, you know, and that's a very interesting point, uh, Pastor Days, uh, because you've been with the church now 18-plus years, and you have actually raised your family in Atlantic City. Yeah, I refused to send my kids to private school. I wanted to. I wanted my kids uh, to experience what uh, every other resident experienced. And if I, I always felt if I was going to be a leader here in Atlantic City, pastor here, then uh, my kids needed to experience uh, what the the average citizen uh, experience, and that way I knew I would be committed to the school system and to um, and to the neighborhoods. And, and what you've said there are some very key and significant things. Uh, do you realize that the current police department, the police officers, do not have to reside in Atlantic City? Yes, yeah, which is very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, that's a part of city fathers have, have uh, hurt us in that regard, uh, 
because it would be whenever someone has an, uh, like uh, has a community investment, if they're invested, whether you know their homes, their children, they'll take better care of our community, and uh, they would uh, incorporate themselves within the community more, which make them home up more acceptable, as well as knowing what's going on in the community. I agree, and I also think that um, if there was a policeman living on a particular block, I don't think there would be much crime happening on that block. Yeah, you would think. I was just uh, just uh, recently, uh, my block was, uh, from time to time it happens, uh, eight cars were broken into right in my, uh, just about every one of my neighbors. <laughs> oh, know? wow. And if there was someone who had a police car, who lived in a police car outside of the yard, it, it would have been a different story. That's right. That's right. That's right. And when did you first realize your aspirations to be a leader, I guess, and to that point, when did you get your first calling from God to 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 be a pastor? Oh well, I be, I was uh, I became a minister when I was 18 years old. I was 21 when I pastored my first church, and uh, so most of my life I've been in some leadership role. Uh, and uh, the first church that I pastored, uh, as I said, was a very historic church, and. Uh, my oldest deacon was 93, and my youngest deacon was 62. Oh, wow. And so, and I was passing at 21, so uh, they, uh, that old school really groomed me for leadership and assisted me in a tremendous way in terms of, uh, they, were not very, they were not very educated, but they had tremendous mother wit uh, and uh, just uh, a wealth of information from experience, and they helped groom me to, whatever I am, I always attribute it to, to those people who, uh, who uh, embrace me and love me and uh, look beyond all of my faults and misgivings and uh, and aided me. So uh, that's where I got it. I got it from, uh, I, I gleaned a lot from a lot of the older people. Yes, yes. And um, at the age of 21, to pastor a church is an, is an awesome responsibility. And how did this all come about? Um, did they... Did you seek them out? Did, did you? Uh, did, did they seek you out? They sought me out. I had that was not my uh, plans at all. I had uh, and uh, uh, some of the members of the church had uh, heard me preach at other places and invited me. And uh, to my surprise, they uh, called me to be their pastor. And uh, I was very wet behind the ears and didn't know very much uh, about pastoring or leadership at that time, uh, in the sense uh, in, in that magnitude. But they held my hand through through uh, through all of it, and uh, it turned out pretty well. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And w- what do you consider to be the key traits of a great leader? Uh, humility, uh, a burden uh, for the community, a burden for the people. Uh, if you don't have humility and the burden, uh, you know, because if you if you if you have humility enough to know that you don't have everything that it takes, and a burden enough. To that it has to be done, and if you don't do it, it may not get done. Those two things will cause you to seek uh, help. It will cause you to pray a lot, and it will cause you to not uh, have the tenacity enough that when the obstacles come, you won't just take no for an answer. That uh, you'll keep on pushing. You know, I have uh, been doing this is in my this is my third season, and I ask this question to all my guests, and I've never heard those two words pulled together in such a, a very unique way. Humility and burden. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. And as you know, I, I'm doing a series on, on Atlantic City, and I'm trying to get to the heart of what are the key issues that 
Atlantic City is facing? And also, what are the potential solutions for those problems? What do you see as some of the, the, the three or four key issues that are addressing the people who live in Atlantic City? Not, I'm not concerned about the casino's um, attendance down. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the crime that's happening in Atlantic City or the, the lack of education that's happening in Atlantic City. From your perspective, Pastor Days, you're, you're there on the ground every day and you have a number of ministries in the church. What do you see as the key issues? Well, first of all, I, let me say I love Atlantic City. I love living here. I, I love uh, the people here. It's a tremendous community. Uh, but our community is, I think, is a microcosm of a lot of what's going on in the country uh, together. Uh, the difference is it's small enough to, to, to really effectuate some change. Uh, our issues are, are we've got a problem with uh, unemployment uh, is, is, is key. There's a tremendous uh, problem with unemployment. Um, and, and for several reasons. I mean, you know, uh, one is uh, we have a, because of a lack of education, uh, people uh, can't get gainful employment. or uh, And if they get employment, it's not enough to get a good living wage. And a lot of that is because of lack of education and because of a record uh, and drug abuse. And so there's only several places you can work in Atlantic City. You either work for the city, you work for the county. Uh, or you work for uh, the casinos. And all of those, once you have some kind of record, it knocks you out of the box. And because of that, you know, people are going to eat. And, you know, you know they're going to eat one way or the other. And so oftentimes they get involved in illegal activity in order to work. Uh, and so then that, that presents a tremendous problem. The other problem is housing. We don't have adequate housing uh, for the city of Atlantic City. And... So when there's inadequate housing and lack of money, uh, no jobs, no education, uh, people are crowded into, you know, homes and neighborhoods that, uh, you know, where they have to make a living, what it is, they sell drugs, they, 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 you know, prostitution, or, or some other kind of illegal activity. And they're crowded together, which breeds more and more crime. And in regards to the education where does that problem start? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> that's a systemic problem. Uh, <laughs> what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right. A, a lot of that happens with, it's generational. Um, you know, we've had a tremendous, uh, we have some a great, you know, we have problems with the education system, but, but there's a lot of money in brand new schools because of casinos, a lot of new schools. But I don't care how, how you build a school, you can make it look like, like the mall. Mm-hmm. But if children are not, Staying, if they're not sticking, if they don't have uh, a home support, you know, uh, if their parents are on drugs and not getting breakfast, they're not getting the kind of you know supported home, they're not going to stay. And so uh, that's why we have such a high dropout rate. Or you know, if they have not uh, had the kind of family support where they can operate in school, you know, uh, they're not going to stay. They're going to get kicked out. And so the problems, the problems are so systemic from home. And from the environment that, that we're that we have in Atlantic City, it's very difficult for them to get a good education and stay in school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if you don't have the the housing, you don't have the education, then of course that's where the employment issues rise. Ex- now, ex- exactly. Now, I was uh, during your uh, service on August twenty first. You talked about the new casino reveal was going to uh, have some community outreach in regards to informational meetings. 
And uh, one of my earlier guests had talked about Stockton State College is doing training for folks. Do, do you see that getting to the folks who are most in need? Well, I look at it from the past. Uh, I was just I just had, I was in a meeting the other day, and they were asking me to to, to get involved in some of the things uh, as it relates to the training. And I said to them, I would not do it because they have made so many promises uh, before uh, to get people involved. And which and 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 that part is true. If they say they're going to have five thousand jobs available, they'll offer them to the Atlantic City people first. Okay. But they know there's a bar that the majority of the people that need work in Atlantic City are not going to make a reach, and they're not going to do what what, what it's going to take. Uh, the, the extensive training and extensive uh, mentoring that it's going to take to help them reach the bar, and then they've got to change some rules. They got to lower the bar in the sense of they've got to open it up for those who have some criminal records uh, in order for them to work. And if they're not willing to do the hard things. Uh, it's not going to happen, and so it's an exercise of futility. And I've been there too many times to do that, and I'm not going to stand with them to validate it when the the, the vast majority of Atlantic City residents are not going to be able to uh, participate uh, in in economic uh, renewal because of Revocal Pizzino. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so basically, in your, from your standpoint, it was almost like they wanted a pitcher opportunity, but there really wasn't um, enough emphasis on the core things to really get it right. Right. It, I mean, it's it, until someone really puts some money uh, and some time and develop a good core program that's going to help people. You know, you have people who've been on welfare for, for generations. Right. You know, right. you've got to deal with that whole uh, idea of of just changing the way they live. You know, you got to deal you got to deal with with the criminal record. You got to make some changes in in the casino control commission in terms of what the regulations are going to be. You know, you don't have to put them on a the casino floor, but let them at least work in environmental service. Let them get a job somewhere. Right. And if they're not willing to do those kind of things, you know, you can say the jobs are open, but if you don't qualify for the jobs, we gave you an opportunity, you know. I've heard that too many times and 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 uh uh, every year I've been here, every casino that's open, every time they talk about a job fair, it, it's open to everyone, but most people that get jobs in Atlantic City, they leave, they leave uh, the city limits after, the, after their shift is over. Mm-hmm. 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 There's a mass exodus, every, every shift change. Right. So basically those jobs are going to, to folks who are coming from offshore. Of course. Yeah. The vast majority. From, and that's not only in the casinos, that's in, that's in the health care uh, for for the hospital, that's also for the school district, and it's also for it's also for city hall. Well, you know, from what I understand, and, and I could be wrong, but uh, I try to read as much as I can uh, the press of Lang City, uh, the press uh, online. But from what I understand, the mayor's uh, direct reports, I guess his cabinet, they're supposed to live in town by law, but I guess they've all been given uh, a pass where they can live wherever they want. That's correct. So. That's a few that lives in the city, but not very many. Yeah. So, like you said, if 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 you're not living there day to day, you really don't have a, a a stake in the ground. You're not concerned about your 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 tent because your tent is placed somewhere else. Exactly. How how do how do the people allow the mayor and his administration to get away with that? Well, you know, it's uh, it, this frustration. Uh, you know, in terms of. Uh, when you you make promises, you've done battle, and there's still more and more the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just get to a point that you know, especially now in these times, you're just trying to survive. 
Right. You know, right. you're trying to you're trying to put food on the table and make sure your family's safe, and you want to get home and uh, back in the, of your neighborhood, you know, with safety, and, and that becomes then a priority. Yes, yes. And so you work on changing what you can change. Right, right, right. Because it is tough times right now. We haven't seen a recession like this uh, in our respective lifetimes. Yeah, and and for a city like us, it, you know, it's uh, we feel it pretty good. Uh, you know, because a, a lot of the, in the casino work is, you know, you you know, uh, it's feast of famine. You do very well in the summertime, and then you know, you know, people work two or three jobs that can work them, and then they know they're going to be laid off coming summertime or wintertime. Right. And so they're trying to do whatever they can to make sure that uh, their family is taken care of, and uh, you know, uh, and so you're, you're you're really concentrating on on making sure they're okay. Yep. You know, made it for politics. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting how the cycle is repeating itself because uh, I recently read the book The North Side uh, by the gentleman who wrote Boardwalk Empire. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to read his book. Uh, is the name the author's name is Nelson? But, right, right. But he talked about you know the early days how you know uh, the black folks would uh, come into Atlantic City for the summertime and and basically during the winter time they were really trying to um, put food on the table. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that's not changed that much. That much, you know, the casinos are open year round now, but. Uh, they they go to almost a skeleton crew, and, and now because of the economy, they're cutting back and doing less with more. I mean, doing more with less, and so or doing the same with less, and so it's it's, it's really difficult. You know what's almost I wouldn't say equally as frustrating, but from a business standpoint, from my perspective, I'm I, I grew up in Atlantic City, and my mother and my sister still live there, and Atlantic City has some really good assets. It has the beach, it has the boardwalk, it has that nice salt air. And for the the city to not be able to market itself to the point where it could be an international destination, it just really, really puzzles me as to why um, Atlantic City should not be the destination year-round. Yeah, that's what, you know, they've always been trying to reinvent themselves, uh, but it has to be more of a family destination, I mean, in, in right. terms of drawing uh that's or true. families, because we have, you know, I say all the time, this is a jewel on the East Coast. Uh, it's very simple to get to. We're in a, a tank of gas of over sixty million people. Uh, you can come by bus, you can come by car, you can come by plane or train. It's very simple to get here, very easy. And uh, we have some tremendous things to offer, but mm-hmm. we could do a whole lot better in terms of marketing and offering a, a diversity. It's a great place to shop. It's, you know, uh, uh, some great restaurants. Um, but the only thing we really put forth is gambling. I mean, it could be a tremendous place. Uh, got a great convention center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and for those who want to, to live by the short, we have the cheapest real estate right now uh, <laughs> to get on a beachfront property. You can't, you can't live within anywhere in Atlantic City and not be five or six blocks from the ocean. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's so right. It's, uh, it's, and it's cheap. So come on down. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Let's let's talk about the crime rate in Atlantic City. From your perspective, is it is it high? It's intolerable. Uh, we have uh, for a city the size of Atlantic City. You know, uh, I think the last census we less than fifty thousand people. Uh, for those that we're probably about sixty or seventy by undocumented uh, residents. Uh, but uh, for a city this size, and we have a, a, a very large police department, we still have at least fifteen unsolved murders in Atlantic City. Wow. And um, there is uh, the last murder was happening in the middle of the day in a store that was 
you know, full of people. Wow. And uh, to date, you know, the murder has not been solved. No one saw anything. And that's been the case uh, for the last several murders that we had, that people, you know, just clamored and say anything. Uh, most of the crime in Atlantic City is black-on-black crime, uh, you know, and uh, it, it's, just, it's just amazing uh, how, you know, the, the violence in this city is, is just uh, is intolerable. And something has to be done. You know, I, the reason why I asked the question the way I did, because one of my other guests as part of this series um, had said that he felt that the crime rate was one of the lowest considering um, the level of population that, that Atlantic City has. And I, and I, almost, I, I almost started uh, to really start to laugh because I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that folks are being shot down and killed uh, in the black neighborhoods, but I, 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 I let my guest go on to get his perspective across. And that's why I'm happy to have you on the program to talk about what the real crime rate is in the, the black neighborhoods. Oh, it's the opposite. And I mean, in terms of the violence, you know, for capitalists, it, it's, it's, the percentage is very high with a small amount of people that we have. Uh, you know, but we do understand that, uh, you know, because of Atlantic City and the things that happen, it attracts people not only uh, from the neighborhood but from outside of the city. Uh, you know, uh, well, along with gambling comes other vices, you know, uh, prostitutions and drugs. I mean, that's the reality of it. I don't care uh, uh, with all the flashing lights and, and uh, all of the tremendous decor of the casinos, decor in the casinos, there are some elements that come along with gambling. And with gambling, you know, comes a, a part of that is violence. Right. right. And uh, when you've got a community that's already depressed, and, uh, you know, you've you got turf wars, and, uh, and most of them are retaliation shootings. And unless some, you know, if, if the police is not doing anything, people take matters in their own hands. And uh, there's a code of silence in this place that is just absolutely remarkable. You know, you know, they, you know, they try to handle it themselves. Mm. And, and so that's one issue that we try to deal with, even with families, when we deal with families of grieving and families who have been uh, a victim of violence. Uh, you know, because the first thing that they say, you know, after grieving process, they want they want revenge and, and talking through that process that you know that that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to handle it. And do you think some of this code of silence is is out of fear for their own life? Oh, of course. I mean, you I, know, I mean, if you're if you're if you're a, a standby witness and you see it, you're like, oh my goodness, if I say anything, this guy might come shoot me. Because that's what they—that's the whole thing, and, uh, and 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 some of the witnesses have been shot. You know, I mean, a lot of people have—that's been killed. It's not talking about the amount of people that has been shot or stabbed. You know, it's uh, that's a whole nother number, uh, and you're not even dealing with those who've been threatened uh, by people or gangs or a group of people, and uh, and so that's an issue. But until someone takes a stand, uh, just yesterday, uh, one of the more notorious uh, apartment buildings. Uh, for years, we had had issue after issue, drugs, violence, uh, substandard housing. And yesterday was a tremendous success story of a, uh, a woman just recognized by city council who, who happens to be a member of our church, who took it upon herself to create a tenant association and then began to take control of their housing made complaints to the point that new owners came in mm-hmm. and they pushed them to, to upgrade the housing. And then uh, 
they themselves, if she became the, a construction manager, because no one else who was coming in and managing the building, would, would, uh, they always did substandard work. Mm. So she became, and, and the new owner allowed her to become the, the construction manager to oversee the work in the 166 apartment building, unit apartment building. Wow. And then they also, the tenants themselves, became their own security. Mm-hmm. Here's the, here, they had investment in their community, in their right. home. They right. lived there. Right. They were tired of shoddy work. Right. They organized themselves and made sure that now they oversaw the construction and then took over the security. Mm. They stood at the door. They became the doorman in their community. They knew who lived there, who didn't live there. Right. You know, and the, and and so they got so they were able they got a, a recognized by city council of turning their domicile around. Mm-hmm. 160, mm-hmm. 13 people. Wow. Took it upon themselves that oh, we can't take this anymore, and now affected the lives not only the 166 people uh, families that lived there, but that whole community changed. Right. Right. And that's taking pride in ownership. Taking pride in ownership. Now, yeah. if you know, if those people could do that for their community and their housing unit. We have several others just, just in, this, in the same condition or worse. They can do it. So they, became a, they can become a model. And so we're looking at how can we uh, take this as a model and then go to the other, into the other uh, areas of, that we're having trouble in, in the neighborhoods, more troublesome neighborhoods, and, and, and uh, repeat this. Right. It can be done. Yes. And it right. ought to be done. And do they receive some type of compensation from the owners of the building? Yes, for they work. That they are employed. They're, oh, they're wow. employed as construction manager. Um, and 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 here they they have they had no public train. They had no training. They just they they never done it that before, but they knew what needed to be done. They knew they had to change their condition. Right. Yes. And so then you know from time to time we'd meet, give them whatever guidance we could as you know as as uh, some community leaders to help them through the process. And and they're doing a tremendous job. The place has, has made, had a, made a hundred percent turnaround. That is excellent. Still, some work to do. Of course, but of course, the thing is that they've done. They've 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 gone so far, and uh, it's just commendable. And so I, I had to go there last night uh, just to be there uh, to, to to you know to to applaud the recognition and the work that they've done. That is a phenomenal story. Has was it covered by the press? Uh, they just got a little. I hadn't read the press today. But they just, but they did get some news, news coverage last night. Okay, that it was is... one of the most notorious areas in the city, and uh, <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was just a uh, tremendous thing to see that last night. That is awesome. That is that is just a phenomenal success story. Yeah, and it was not done by the politicians. It was not done by the police department or, or HUD. It was done by the tenants. Wow, that is awesome. Pastor Davies, uh, believe it or not, our, our time is up. <laughs> oh, oh, but, it went so quickly. I know, but we're, you're going to come back for our program next week, correct? Very good. Look forward to it. Oh, wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Pastor Collins A's Days, who's the pastor at Second Baptist Church in Atlantic City, and I'm so happy to have him on our program. He's going to be back next week. And so, Pastor Days, thanks again, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you next week. And please give me my best regards. I certainly will. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, Seton Hall University, and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.